Welcome into the program, Jeff Tarpley from Gigam247.com. Jeff, good morning, and uh, let's begin by talking a little bit about uh, last Saturday. The, uh, the, the tide averaged 10 yards per snap, and, man, that's <laughs> – we were, we were griping about the Cowboys and their nine yards per snap, but 10 yards per offensive play last week for Alabama. As much as I like to talk about stopping the run as being the foundation of your defense, what that's supposed to do is make your opponent predictable so that you put them in the less than optimal situations. And it's interesting that Alabama had four plays of 35 yards or more in that game that came on a second and eight, second and nine, a third and eight, and a second and 22. So A&M did what it wanted to do on early downs. Unfortunately, they couldn't close the deal when they got them right where they wanted them. And for the Aggies this upcoming week, given Florida's high-powered passing offense, they've got to do a much better job of developing the pass rush and getting better play on the back end of the defense if they're going to keep the score down, make it manageable, and enable themselves to win that football game. And that's where I was going. Is, is, it, is it the back end? Is it the pass rush? Or is it yes? <laughs> it's yes. A&M has to make better, get better decisions made in the secondary with regard to its coverages, not just how they play the individual coverages, but also how they play the route combinations. Understanding that, hey, look, just because I've got a guy that's running a dig route right in front of me, and even if it's Jalen Waddle and I can see it, if I've got a guy over on the side who's locked up in man coverage that I might need to think about the guy that, that's going to run the route behind the going to run the route behind me because that's the way route combinations are set up these days. You get one or two guys running those short routes. You get a guy running deep, and sometimes those routes are clear out routes. But if you don't play them right, they become touchdowns. And, and of course, the other thing is, is that Mac Jones had lots of time to throw the football in those situations. He had one double pump. He had another where uh, the receiver was able to make a double move. So A&M's got to do a better job, too, of limiting the amount of time that Kyle Trask has to throw the football. Because if they don't do that, then you're going to have time. Again, the, the band's going to start playing, and, and A&M's got to find a way to correct those mistakes get better play out of their front four. And is that something that Kevin Elko has is, is, is talked about, is how to – or Coach Elko, how, how to get the communication better in his secondary? Well, Jimbo Fisher has addressed it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's basic to what anybody does at, at any level of football, really, and that's kind of the disconcerting thing is that A&M's making – mistakes that when you go out and watch even a high school game on Friday night, the kids are playing similar type coverages and looks to what we see on Saturdays and Sundays. So what A&M has to do is just bear down on what they're supposed to do and actually translate that into productivity. You saw that from week one to week two 
with the offense. Kellen Mond had a much better game. The offense had a much better game. They wound up with over uh, 500 yards against Alabama. They had a better game plan. Mond made better decisions. The offensive line blocked better. They, they ran more power and counter with them, double teamed at the point of attack, which enabled them to run the ball as a whole better until the game got out of reach. So the A&M can do these things. Uh, again, we saw that on the offensive side of the ball. They just need to translate what they know they can do into action and thus productivity. Speaking of Mund, how much confidence at this point do you think Jimbo truly has in him? The most interesting aspect of what's happened over the first couple of weeks of the season is that after the game Saturday night and into you know, actually the uh, Monday press conference, for the first time in forever, Kellen Mond did not go to that press conference. They followed that up with he was not a captain for the Alabama game on Saturday. He was not at the press conference this past Monday, again, even though he threw for over 300 yards. So as opposed to what you're seeing on the field, I think it's more far more interesting that Mond's leadership role seemingly has been maybe not usurped, but he's certainly not designated as the guy by Jimbo Fisher uh, to take questions from people that he was just a couple of three weeks ago. I think that's, you know, on Mon to play better. He started to do that, but also for A&M's offense to play better as a whole. And it will be interesting to see if, if Mon takes his position at the podium again on Zoom if A&M beats Florida this uh, this upcoming Saturday. Do you think they'll like try to implement more RPOs to help him out, especially with the offensive line struggling? They, they ran more RPOs last week, it seemed like. Uh, and, and the offensive line was, was quite functional against Alabama. Again, A&M's offensive line is a big offensive line. It's not necessarily the most mobile group of guys. When they're able to pull them across the formation, get a double-team block at the point of attack, pull them across the formation, uh, not allow that penetration, kick somebody out, I think they're a lot better. And in turn, that allows them to do other things off that play-action passes. A&M was much better at getting people going across the formation in motion. Uh, they ran Alabama off. They were able to throw the ball those guys short. You saw the touchdown pass to Anaya Smith where he was not only open, but he was able to make a guy miss. So there's things that they can do, as we saw last weekend, that will make them better uh, offensively, make them more productive. What they can't do on the defensive end is let the game get out of touch so quickly that they just have to abandon everything and start throwing the football. And, and Jeff, that's that's probably the key when when you're talking about Florida. It's a football team that's averaging 45 points a game through the first couple of games. 45 points a game is going to get you second in the SEC in, in offensive scoring. So uh, you make a great point. They're going to have to play defense and give themselves a chance. Yeah, it, it's – this isn't an A&M team that is built to, at this point in time, to score 40-plus points a game. Uh, Florida's defense is not the unit that we've seen in past years. They've had a lot of trouble tackling. I looked at some of the numbers, and, and their yards after contact uh, are near the, the bottom of the SEC. So 
nonetheless, A&M has to be able to control the game, slow the game down, get more of a time possession advantage like they did last week. They actually held the ball for, I think, like 33, 35 minutes. They ran a lot more plays than Alabama. They've just got to be better on in passing situations. They've got to be good in the red zone. They've got to win those four-point plays, so to speak. Florida is one of the best teams in the SEC right now in red zone offense, and especially in converting those possessions into touchdowns. You've got to keep them out of the end zone. You do that, then all of a sudden you're not talking about a game in the 40s. You're talking about a game in the high 20s, in the in the low 30s, which is certainly one that A&M can win. You'll have uh, young receivers for A&M this week going up against young corners from Florida. Which inexperienced group do you think, or, or do either one of them have an upper hand in this matchup? It's interesting because Florida defense coordinator Todd Grantham really likes to blitz. He likes to run a lot of different pressures, and he'll put his people in compromising situations, so to speak, back there. So what A&M's got to be able to do is they've got to be able to protect to take advantage of those situations. They, they may not be able to give Kellen Mond time to, you know, pump once and then throw the ball 40 yards down the field, but they did at least got to give him a clean pocket to make the best possible decisions. They were actually, again, they were actually better at that last week than they were against Vanderbilt and, and the offense moved the ball better. So they don't necessarily have to, you know, if, if the defense plays well, then you're not talking about where you're trying to match Florida point for point score for score. You're simply talking about a situation where you're moving the ball down the field and you're able to take advantage of those type coverages. Now, again, A&M's receivers, the young core, they, they struggle. You know, they're still trying to figure out, hey, what do I do here? Where do I get lined up? A&M burned all three of its timeouts way before the end of the first half in part because of that. But those guys are, are – and you saw that in the second half. They're getting a little better every game. They've just got to translate into getting open down the field and having Mon deliver the football to them. Haynes King got to see some action last week against uh, Alabama. How has he progressed since arriving on campus, and what are the expectations for him? You know, I saw him at the opening uh, last uh, summer before last now uh, in, in Frisco. And he was eye-opening from the standpoint that he wasn't exactly 100% polished like a lot of these guys coming out now. Uh, they have personal quarterback coaches, that kind of thing. This is a kid that, that's never had that. Uh, he's played a lot of different sports, so it's not like he's working on his game 24-7 uh, in high school. Just kind of a unique situation. And so he's still kind of a work in progress in a lot of ways. On the other hand, he showed at the opening the ability to make plays when he had to. Uh, you know, they'd sit there and have a situation where, hey, look, two-minute drill, blah, 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 you got the ball here, what can you do? He always seemed to be able to drive his team down in those situations for a score when you watch him. He, he's, he's just a very confident kid who has a lot of moxie. Uh, he works very, very hard. He's very athletic. People don't realize how athletic he is. He ran track, played basketball in high school, great all-around athlete. Uh, mentally came in, learned the playbook as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Works really, really hard. So he's already won over his teammates in terms of his personality, the fact that you want to see that kind of set an example leadership from your quarterback. Uh, but still, 
things have got to slow down on the field and they've got to get him reps in practice and in games to do that. We'll see how long it takes him to truly evolve into a starting caliber quarterback, you know, depending on what happens, maybe soon later on this year. Hey, Jeff, uh, what do we got going on on gigum247.com? Well, today we had Q&A with the Florida side over, you know, hey, look, how do they, you know, answer they answered they answered questions for us on the Gators, and we answered some for them. We had an exchange. I put both of those out, and so people can not only see what they think about, a, you know, what their perception is about a And M, but also how, uh, but also how, uh, you know, what a And M fans or what a And M media people think about Florida. So we had that this morning. I even had a basketball update with uh, head coach Buzz Williams. So, you know, right now, thank the good Lord, despite everything that's going on, we're really in the thick of things. And, uh, it, you know, great community, having a lot of great discussions on the message board this morning, not just about Jimbo Fisher, Kellen Mond, Haynes King, backup quarterbacks, always the most popular player on the team. So, uh be sure to, you know, come and join us. Like I said, it's a great community. Got people always willing to help you out. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens on, on Saturday. And, again, we'll have lots of post-game coverage. I always have a very, very comprehensive write-up right after the games, not just a few quick hits. It's I, I write Warren Peace, and uh, you'll have all that no later than a couple hours, a couple of three hours after the game. Jeff, thanks. Appreciate your time. Jeff Tarpley from Gigum247.com.